Welcome to this episode of Turnpikers. We are broadcasting live in tape delay at uh, Boulder Startup Week. And for this episode, we have Willie Ogazali here. And Willie is the co-founder of Law Booth and uh, also a, um, a CU, uh, former CU student. So this is a home game for, uh, for Willie. He's not traveling in for Boulder Startup Week. He's, he's actually here with his startup. Um, Willie, welcome to the show. Tell us about What's your story? What are you up to? What is Law Booth? Why should we care about that in this week of 100,000 startups in Boulder? Yeah, I'd love to tell you all about Law Booth. Um, Don't tell us all about it. Okay. Just tell us a couple things. Because we, we, okay, we'll keep it quick. We, we'll wanna, keep it brief. we wanna leave a little mystery around Law Booth. Cool. So Law Booth, we, were, uh, we started in a class at CU, kind of like you mentioned. It was an entrepreneurial class. At the time, we really didn't know much about entrepreneurship at all. It was kind of our first foray. And uh, our name back then was Congo. It stood for Consultation on the Go. And we started as a class project. So we were just learning about entrepreneurship. Um, our original vision was to connect clients and attorneys online. Um, pretty soon after that, I think a couple weeks later, our dreams got really big. And we said, OK, if we're going to fix the legal industry, if we're going to build a platform like this, why would we stop at law? You know, There's a whole world of industries that could benefit from technology like this. So uh, our dreams got really big. We went down that route for about half a year. Um, and we heard from a lot of great mentors that it'd be really difficult to tackle multiple industries at once. So we were looking at connecting doctors, clients with doctors, clients with attorneys, and uh, eventually all professional experts. That was the name Consultation on the Go. So we, uh, you know, about six months to a year later, we decided finally to get focused, focus on the legal industry. Um, Hence the name Law Booth and the rebranding. Um, that was a great decision. Um, Give us, what, yeah. when, what year was this? So this is three years ago, um, okay. back in 2013, um, is when we had the original idea. And got again, it. we knew really very little about entrepreneurship, but uh, we got very passionate about it. So at the end of the semester, my co-founder, Tyler Cox, and I um, decided to continue following our dreams and uh, keep working on the, the business outside of class. So we kept working on it for the summer and uh, the next semester. And at that point in time, um, things, were, uh, things were looking up. Uh, we had learned a little bit more about what it meant to be an entrepreneur, what it meant to start a business. We applied to some competitions, and uh, we were accepted to compete. And uh, so we were getting very busy with the business and um, kind of losing a little bit of focus um, at school, becoming more passionate about the business. So at that point in time, we decided to follow our dreams, uh, take Losing a focus dive. at school. <laughs> is a great way to explain it. And then also blaming it on the business you're starting is also a smart move, so that's good. Okay. <laughs> it's celebrated in the entrepreneurial industry. And, yeah. and really, I mean, I say we were losing focus, but I, th I would also say that those semesters were the most passionate we'd ever been about school. Because now we actually had a reason to learn to pay attention in class. We had a real, a real life um, project that we were working on and that we were super passionate about. So they were probably some of the most driven semesters that I had as a student. But um, we, were, um, we were balancing time between, you know, trying to set up meetings with investors and trying to build a business and having to study for midterms and write essays. And that just wasn't working out. So we realized we could either um, you know, stay in school, work on the business part-time, potentially watch somebody else create our business and regret it for the rest of our life, or take a plunge, drop out, follow our dreams. If everything failed, we'd go back to school. So we dropped out um, 2014 um, with one semester left. My co-founder and I both had one semester. I had 18 credits, so I might have done two. But um, that was a big moment for us. And uh, we spent the rest of the year competing in competitions, still learning a lot about what it meant to be an entrepreneur and really refining the business. Uh, at the end of the year, we, were start we had started, we, 
we're now winning the competitions. So we started by losing a lot of competitions. These are what kind of competitions are these? Like startup competitions. Find a lawyer yeah. competitions or startup competitions. This is a great point. So um, there's a ton of awesome startup competitions in Colorado. Um, everything from just a business plan competition to a pitch competition. And we were just taking every opportunity we could. Um, so that you could get brand awareness or so that you could raise, were these, did these help you raise money or what all of the above? Yeah, um, we were getting a lot of benefits. So we were refining the business idea. We still hadn't found product market fit. We were a long way away from that. Um, we thought we needed to raise funding at the time. We thought that if we could just raise 500,000 bucks, all of our problems would be solved and we could build the platform and everyone would start using it. Which again shows how little we knew about the startup space. Um, so we were trying to, uh, really applying to competitions was all we knew, um, was all we could do at, the po at that point in time. Um, we didn't have a technical co-founder, it was two business guys, really just trying to get as much feedback as we could and meet as many awesome people in the community as we could. And it, it really did help us out because over the course of the year we really refined the business and we went from losing competitions to getting first place in every competition. Um, so uh, some noteworthy ones were the Esprit Venture Challenge um, and the Boulder Chain worked on us 2014 Venture of the Year. And this was right after we had really chosen to hone in our focus on lawyers. And we got even hyper-focused and said, we're going to focus on connecting college students with criminal defense attorneys because there's a big need for that at CU. Um, and we that's, that, that's depressing. <laughs> yeah, the stats um, from a couple years ago said that CU <laughs> was the number two school in the world for on-campus drug and alcohol arrests. So I, I feel like the football Bucks. team alone could really keep a couple of criminal attorneys <laughs> extremely busy. Exactly, there's a big enough market right there. So that when we honed it, when we got really focused, things really started taking off and kind of just how our pitch was received by everybody changed. Um, we started having people poke holes in the business and people get, we started to see people getting really excited and saying, wow, this makes a lot of sense. You know, I can't believe this doesn't exist yet. So that was a year and a half ago. Did it really not exist yet? I feel like there's lots of places you can find a lawyer. Is that, what am I missing there? So um, a lot of these places are, you, we're going to see a lot of websites surface. The legal tech space is heating up. Um, you probably heard of Avo. They're kind of leaders in the space. Um, but if you look up Avo reviews, they'll have, they have one star reviews just across the board. I think less than one star is what it averages out to on their top review site. So um, people are using it because the problem really is so severe. The need is so severe. Um, but the solutions that are out there really are not solving the problem. So there, so, so what is exactly the problem you guys are solving? What is the, uh, how are you pairing or what's the marketplace look like? Yeah, so, um, so a year ago is when, a little over a year ago is when the marketplace first went live. It kind of went live accidentally. Um, we put up the scheduling technology on the website just to test it out. We didn't even think scheduling was going to be a core piece of the tech. We thought video conferencing was everything at the time. And uh, people started using the website before we had done any marketing. Um, people started booking appointments before we had any attorneys. So um, They're booking appointments with lawyers before there are any lawyers on there? Yeah, they're booking a, a consultation blindly and saying, I got a DUI, I need to talk to an attorney, here's the time that works for me. And then what we were doing is we were then, what we did then, kind of what we had to do was then reach out to attorneys and say, hey, here's a lead, would you be interested in taking it? Uh, we did that, and we, that's how we signed up our first lawyers on the, on the marketplace. Got it. So we did that for a year, uh, growing the marketplace, growing month over month, um, but not really growing as fast as we wanted to. We're kind of operating more as a local attorney marketing agency than the online marketplace for lawyers, which was really our vision. Um, and so the problem we were solving was the finding and connecting with an attorney, which is a big pain point. It's the first pain point in the process. And we were really focusing on helping um, you know, first-time clients who had never hired a lawyer before, had really no idea where to begin, could even be scared of the process because uh, it's confusing. And there's, there's uh, you know, and a hodgepodge of tools out there. <laughs> yeah, we were at, the temple, at that point in time, we were focusing on criminal defense. Yep. So there was, it was an urgent need. Um, they really, um, that's Matching why- Matching criminals with lawyers. Exactly. And that was, that was, a lot of these people were waiting for the last second to, to book an appointment with an attorney. Um, and so if you, if you were a client who had done that, 
then when you finally, finally went out there to try and find an attorney, what you would find is you're calling all these lawyers. Um, they're not at the phone. Um, you're, you'd be lucky if you could get an appointment in a week or two weeks even. Um, and again, there's not really great information for somebody who's never hired a lawyer before and has no Criminal idea how to do it. lawyers spend a ton of yeah. money on, on, on uh, advertising too. Exactly. So that's really the problem that we're solving now. So we built that marketplace over a year. Um, and um, we were running into the typical challenges of scaling a marketplace. Growing a marketplace is really hard, especially in an industry where the need of hiring a lawyer is so infrequent. It's not like Uber where you're calling a taxi you know, every couple days. You hope. You hope. So I'd see you again though. You, that frequency you, yeah, goes right. up a little. If you have a football jersey, <laughs> you have a football <laughs> jersey football on, you probably yeah. need yeah. to lock one down on a retainer. Exactly. So um, really the biggest learning that we've had over the past year though is that you know, scaling a marketplace is hard. Um, we were trying to sell attorneys a new marketing channel um, as we tried to, to build it. And um, we realized that the tech we had built over the past year, kind of the SaaS side of a platform that was only available on the marketplace, was actually even more valuable off the marketplace, just with attorneys' existing websites and their existing marketing channels, if that makes sense. So um, now uh, attorneys can embed the scheduling technology on their website. This is a very new um, change that we've API. introduced. Yeah, it's a copy and paste code. It's yeah. a, just a JavaScript snippet. Oh. Um, and open table. Yes, For similar to open table. Um, and the cool thing about it, like open table, is that we get links back from these, the free version of the widget, so it's great for our SEO strategy, which is really, um, so to bring it back to the problem we're solving, attorneys are blowing money on price per click advertising, Google AdWords. And radio. And radio. They spend so billboards. much money on radio. That's the problem, is that attorneys really don't know how to market. They don't know how to market efficiently, especially in this new age, um, marketing digitally. So as all these attorneys move online, they go to the first obvious choice, which is PPC. And uh, the price per click for Google AdWords for legal focus keywords is some of the highest in the industry. It's outrageous. So our new pricing model is that we're taking the price per click for a certain area of law and location, and we're multiplying that by 10. So for an attorney, instead of paying for clicks that you may not close, you don't know who's clicking on, on your ad, we're charging for a consultation, an actual lead that's booked in your calendar, and uh, we're charging the price of 10 clicks for that consultation. So what you would have paid for 10 clicks, now you actually have a consultation, which is awesome because no attorney has a 10% conversion on their website. Even the top 1% of attorneys is lucky to have a 7% um, conversion rate. So it's a consultation. So um, that's the problem we're solving. We're really competing with PPC, using SEO, and providing a great user experience as a way to overcome the, uh, the, the advertising challenge and to, have, to acquire users as efficiently as we can. And um, the SaaS is really taking off because every attorney has a contact form on their website. And by copying and pasting some code, for free even, they can triple their conversions by um, embedding this booking widget on their website. Got it. And since, so it started in 13 or 12? You could say we started in 2013, but again, it was a class project. And right. We didn't make so, much progress. So there. now it's 2016. How many? More year how many? Learning. How many uh, uh, criminals are you matching with criminal defense lawyers in a in a given day? So we've expanded beyond criminal defense. Really, business is kind of taking off on the website. We're also doing some personal injury now. Yeah. Um, right now, we're connecting um, 15. We've been connecting about 15 clients to attorneys per month, um, but we're seeing that really grow um, as a result of the SaaS model. Um, so. Now we're bringing attorneys' clients on the website. Um, we're helping them connect to more clients with their own existing website. And um, as the, uh, we've been doing this just in Colorado too. So the cool thing about the SaaS is that now we're national. Um, with the SEO, um, we've, been, we've been seeing our SEO clicks, clicks from organic search grow about 30% month over month. So this is very new, but we're already up to, we're gonna hit over 1,000 clicks per, uh, this month, and that's just continuing to grow. So as we see that grow, we're seeing our, um, our conversions for attorneys grow as well. And have you raised venture capital for this 
operation or is this a sort of a self-funded through you guys and through winning contest after contest after contest or <laughs> how are you how are you funding this bootstrap what's the deal yeah we started bootstrapping it and again going the competition route um, we definitely got some money from and in, in-kind in services from from competitions that really helped us bootstrap early on then we were very fortunate to have some friends and family that um, really believed in the concept and were really believed in us were willing to help us out um, didn't really have high expectations for a return but were willing to give us about 100k um, in angel capital and then a year a year and a half later um, we raised uh, 250k kind of pre-seed round so now um, we're in the process of gearing up for our first venture capital raise. So this is an, a whole other new level, a new um, learning experience for us. But uh, planning a trip out to California soon to go meet with some of these investors. Um, still deciding if it's going to be more of an angel round or more of a venture capital round or a mix. Yep. Hmm. Got it. And are you participating in any of the 450,000 different accelerators that are out <laughs> there? Are you using, using your experience at CU and... So yeah, CU, even though um, a lot of the team kind of took a break from school, CU was kind enough to invite us into their, um, or I should say accept us, into their um, Catalyze CU Accelerator. Cool. So we did that last summer. Really cool accelerator, particularly because it's um, funded by grant money, so it's equity-free. Um, really nothing to lose. And uh, nice. that actually was how we met our angel investor. He saw us at Demo Day, connected us with, uh, with us afterwards, and made the investment. So it was hugely impactful, and I think Catalyze is just improving year over year. We were only the second cohort to go through it, so... Um, they, they're just about to start their third year and they've got a really cool group of teams. Got so, it. Um, we're still, um, right now we've really been focusing on raising a round. We think we're in a great position. We've got a great product, great team, um, some really exciting um, growing traction that we think will be good enough for us to raise a seed round. But um, if that doesn't work, then we would definitely consider going to an accelerator, extending the runway a bit, and then um, you know revisiting the fundraise after the accelerator. That's awesome. What, uh, what kind of competition? This seems like something that there'd be just a ton of competition around. Are you guys uh, kind of leading the space? Are there a bunch of other folks, bigger players? Who are you guys uh, up against here? Yeah, so it's a really exciting space. Um, Avo is definitely the lead leader, but again, they're kind of more of a legal tech 1.0. Um, lots of room for improvement. Um, and there's a, we like to joke that there's a big enough market just off the attorneys that hate Avo and that Avo is pissed off. There's a big enough market out there. Um, some of the new, one of the newer players is Up Council. It's probably um, getting a lot of press. Say that again. Up Council. Up Council. Got they it. just they raised ten million dollars last year, um, so they're, they're you know validating that there's a lot of interest in the space. They're growing pretty quickly. I think their business model is really fundamentally flawed, um, and it's something that we've talked to some of their former employees, that um, their former executives that are considering coming on board to join our team following this next raise, that uh, agree that their model is really causing a lot of problems. Um, I don't want to go too deep into it um, and talk too much trash about the competition. But uh, really our model, our business model, our core business model is um, very differentiated from them and uh, I think overcomes a lot of the challenges that they're running into. Got it. Talk to us about uh, what Boulder Startup Week means to you. Oh man, so Boulder Startup Week, uh, I really view it as kind of a, a milestone for us because this is our third year now that we've come to it. Uh, again, when we went our first year, we knew nothing about um, what it meant to start a company. We were just so passionate about the space, so interested, and Boulder Startup Week really blew our minds. Um, we got, we learned so much. Um, you know, I remember learning about content marketing for the first time. I never heard about what content marketing was, and I was like, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. Um, so that was kind of our first year at Boulder Startup Week. Year two, um, we organized our own um, 
uh, event. There was a record day for bookings. We had 11 clients book an appointment um, with startup attorneys that day. It was a really exciting day. Um, and th- what we noticed is that we were going to a lot of these events and we were still learning a ton, but it wasn't quite as mind-blowing, which really let us know. It really showed us, wow, we've come a long way in the past year. Um, and now year three, um, we were very involved in um, helping organize, um, especially the legal track. Um, we're involved in multiple panels, kind of in several different tracks. And uh, I'm not expecting to really have my mind blown at all this year. Um, you know everything now. Yeah, it's not like we know everything, but it's like, you know, again, we could be, we, we could be one of the people on the panels that would at least be able to provide some Yeah, that's great. That's so great. It's a really cool milestone. Um, if, I can, if I can give any advice to entrepreneurs listening at home, it would be really to uh, just take every opportunity that, that um, you see out there. Um, kind of, I know I, I looked at the Turnpikers lineup, some of the other people you've interviewed so far, and I mean, these are rock stars. These are like some of the best, um, most successful people in the community. So I'm probably the least qualified person to be here right now. But, um, you know, the opportunity fell into my lap and we took it. We just said, you know, even if, even if I'm the less quali- least qualified person, we're going to give it our best, you know. And uh, that was the same idea with these, with these competitions, with all these Startup Week events. Um, I'm giving a talk on the future of law to a ton of attorneys um, at a legal tech conference tomorrow night. And um, this is something that I was so unprepared to do. But um, we took the opportunity and um, did the research, and hopefully it goes well. But the worst case scenario, you know, we'll learn a ton and be stronger because of it. So that's probably the biggest lesson we've learned over the past three years. That's great. Tell us about uh, um, one of the things that we ask everybody is what is something that, you, that if you've listened to the podcast, you know, we ask what is something that you get that you think other people don't get and what is something that other people get that you don't that, that you get. So w- w- talk to us about sort of your could be tech, could be <laughs> well, I get, I personal get, interactions, um, could yeah. be specific to your little world of, uh, of, of, <laughs> yeah. of lawyer criminal matching or lawyer uh, lawyer uh, client matching but what, what's something that you feel like you have a special insight into that you could share with people who listen to this show cool well um, one thing is um, oh, it's, a, it's a really good question um, you know uh, I'd like to think I know some stuff so we'll see um, I really something that I'm really passionate about and I think I have a unique understanding of is really free markets and the power of um, free markets and the power of the crowd. Um, and that's really what we're trying to do with the legal industry is create the first free market for, for lawyer services. Um, we, a lot of the other legal tech platforms are focusing on kind of symptoms of the problem, price, um, efficiency, um, you know, the confusing process for clients. And these are all really symptoms of what we think is the core problem, which is the lack of a true free market for legal services. So free markets, um, there's, I like to say there's three ingredients that a free market needs to be free, a market needs to be free. Information, competition, transparency. Um, and if you look in the legal industry, there's a tremendous lack of these three ingredients across the board, both in the traditional setting and online. And uh, so we really focus, every decision we make at Lobby is about, it's the free market decision. It's what would the free market do? What's the, rather than um, practicing price regulation and stuff, we don't practice it. So when we have that value to fall back on, it really makes some of these tough high-level decisions much more clear about what, which route we should take. And uh, it's really differentiating us from everything that's out there. So. Um, I like to think that we have a unique understanding of kind of the free market and the power of the crowd, um, as well as kind of just what's happening in the legal tech space, the, uh, the disruption that is hand, that, that is, that's upon us right now. Um, I've, le- I've learned a lot more about that after doing the research for the future of law talk, but um, there really is um, a, a huge trans- transformation that's about to occur in the legal industry. And I believe that this is going to create lots of opportunity for the attorneys and the startups who are willing to kind of embrace this change and place a bet on the future. And there's also going to be a lot of displacement for the incumbents who resist the change. So um, I think that's one thing that really blows my mind how attorneys, some attorneys don't get that. And there's a surprising number of attorneys that think that 
the industry is going to stay the way it is forever, and that there's that the pace of change is slowing down. All the big changes happened in the past five, ten years, um, and these are the lawyers that are going to get displaced. So it really blows my mind that there are some people who still think that um, when we keep seeing you know disruption after disruption in all these industries, and it's really no question that technology is the future, and these industries are moving online. Yeah, that's neat. The uh, what is uh, what, what do um what is the sort of lead gen number that, that lawyers work with as far as what they generally would pay for a lead? Is that like a known, like in most businesses we sort of operate on, you know, co cost for acquisition of a, of a customer or a client or a e-commerce user or whatever it would be. What, what, what is the number in, in your world that you try to... I would say attorneys have a surprisingly, they don't really, have, they don't really know what the number is necessarily because they're not, they're not expert marketers and they don't really know exactly what the lifetime value is and what their conversion rate is. So there's a lot of opportunity to provide them with that information. Um, and really what we're basing it on is just the price per click because that's kind of the best pool of data of um, um, you know, all these attorneys bidding on these, these keywords. That gives us the best information and then we're able to provide a better cost for conversion than those. So that's where we're starting. Um, so, uh, just to clarify, your question was what are they willing to pay? So, well, yeah, or just sort of, you know, how do they know, pay? Yeah. We, we know they charge between, you know, two hundred and six hundred dollars an hour, and so what are they? What are they? You know, what are they willing to pay to acquire a, uh, a client? Yeah. So to give you an idea, I mean, at the low end, um, we're looking at fifty dollars just for a consultation. That's at the lowest end. At the high end, you're looking, and that's probably for things like traffic violations, really low value, one-off cases. But these attorneys need volume. They need to fill their empty hours, and they are willing to, as long as. You can provide um, positive margins. They're willing to pay for these leads. So um, at the high end, you're seeing um, attorneys who are willing to spend two thousand dollars for a good, for a quality lead. If it's uh, for personal injury, for example, when it's a high, they really need to bring these leads in, and it's a high um, value customer. Um, so what we're seeing though in the other in other platforms is the way that they're charging is. Um, a flat rate per lead, which really doesn't make sense because every practice area is so unique. Mm -hmm. um, and what they'll do is they'll take a lead in, they'll embellish this lead. Um, so one of our other team members worked at, I'm not going to say the company, but he was a former executive at another competitor, and this is what they were doing. is They were taking a lead in, they were putting words in the client's mouth, making it sound like a much better lead than it actually was, and they would sell this lead to 20 attorneys, um, whereas they said they were only selling it to three. Huh. Um, and Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. It must be nice, though, to be that lawyer and right. find out that you've really been... You know, well, and that's what happened. The person that's what, has a yeah. lot of problems, <laughs> as opposed to just a couple yeah. problems. Um, yeah. So our, our team member, he uh, um, he's the head of our business development. He is our attorney co-founder, and uh, he was talking to one of their customers, an attorney, who said, "Yeah, I talked to this client, and found out he had talked to five other attorneys in the same day. You guys told me you were selling this lead to three people, and um, he had no idea that was going on. That was kind of a back office practice, and that really was one of the things that one of the final straws for him." So um, that's what we're seeing in one space. Up Council's model is to let clients post jobs and let attorneys place bids on the job. And they're tra charging a transaction fee, which is actually something you're not supposed to do. Um, it goes against the regulations. But there's a lot of platforms that are just ignoring the regulations and pushing against it. We're taking a much safer approach. Um, I bet they know where to find a lawyer if they get in trouble. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they can use Blobboot. Um, so, yeah, that's one of the reasons we think UpCouncil's model is broken. Clients are posting these jobs, attorneys then have to go bid on it. What that does is it creates a race to the bottom. We have the hungriest attorneys who are really desperate for clients, bidding on every single job. Um, the burden is now on the attorneys to waste time, spend time trying to find the clients. Well, and then they have to vet with, they have to do their own vetting again, which is sort of back to square one. Exactly, yeah. And uh, so that's not a sustainable... I should, I should be working in this business. <laughs> exactly, yeah. You've got it. We're hiring. Um, so that is a... Uh, 
that's an unsustainable model. And it might be working right now because the industry is so inefficient, but that's not disruptive. So as opposed to on, on with the experience for a client, we provide information back to the free market. We're empowering the clients with the information they need to make an informed decision. Simple things like pricing that you can't find out in attorney's pricing until you have that consultation. That should be available early on. Um, providing them with the information and the tools to find the right attorney. And then, on the attorney end, when a client selects you and books an appointment for you, there's no back and forth. There's no wasted time. This is a client who has chosen you. There's, you don't need to place a bid that you may not get. And the, it's effortless. The consultation's in your calendar. You have the meeting notes. Um, if you do need to reschedule or cancel, it's one click. Um, and it's a much better experience on the attorney end than our competitors. So now that we've really hammered down this experience, we've, we've seen great positive reactions on both sides, and we've really figured out this new model to sell it um, and really scale the platform. Really excited to go out there, um, raise some money, and put some money behind this. Awesome. It's great to meet you, Willie. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for coming by our little uh, booth here, and uh, it's, um, we wish you the best of luck. If people want to check out uh, Law Booth, it's, is it lawbooth.com? Lawbooth.com, yep. All right. Yep. And, uh, and in, uh, if people are interested in... Uh, in, in, in funding this operation, they can go to Crunchbase and, as usual, find all the information out. So. Oh, yeah. We're on the angel list. Yeah. Check us out. All right. Yeah. Awesome to meet awesome. you. Great Thanks, to meet Willie. you guys, too. I'm huge fans. Thank you so much for your time. You bet. Thanks for Thanks. coming. Cheers. Again, live from Boulder Startup Week. Uh, we're at, hiding in the uh, back of the Wild Standard restaurant, and uh, right now we have Denise Franklin with us, who is a... Uh, she just tried to call herself a, a, a Boulder native. She's been here since 1998. I don't know in Boulder where they sort of hold the bar for that. In Denver, Danny and I wouldn't actually allow that, but I suppose here there's a lot more transplants, so 98 may get you into being able to call yourself uh, club. a native. And she's uh, been in the Boulder and uh, startup scene for a, a while, including uh, a long stint as an early employee at SendGrid, so we thought it'd be fun to have her on, chat with us for a little bit about what's going on here. So tell us, give us give us all a little bit of a 101 on what you're up to and your history. Sure, I'll, I'll start with 1998 okay. uh, when I moved here. When you were born <laughs> in Boulder. Exactly, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I moved here as fast as I could after graduating from college. Um, and I got really lucky. I accidentally fell into the tech scene. Um, I had a degree of philosophy and English, not very practical. I uh, didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. I came to Boulder, saw an ad in the newspaper. This was really right at the time when job boards were, I mean, you know, online job postings were becoming a thing. Sure. Um, sent in a paper resume to this company that sounded interesting. It turned out to be a startup called Email Publishing. I applied because I'm like, I like email. That sounds cool. Um, I went in for the interview and it was like transformative. There were people wearing shorts and flip-flops and dogs running around and there were Skittles in the kitchen. Um, and so that was my first introduction to a startup and uh, they offered me a job. I had a job offer from CU um, at the same time, and which was worth more, they were going to pay me more, but I, the startup won me over just by the culture. So sure. um, Brad Feltz was an investor through SoftBank and uh, yeah, I kind of rode that through the dot-com craziness. So that was my entree into startup community in Boulder. And I haven't left. <laughs> Beautiful. And you're, you, you, you so at, at SendGrid you were the, uh, the VP of revenue. Is that sort of like a CRO job or is that a sales sort of role? What, what did that, and it probably evolved over time, but what, is, what does that yeah. look like? It, essentially a CRO role. Yeah. So I was, you know, full responsibility for the revenue. Um, but as joining as employee number five, I was the first, you know, non-technical person, first non-founder executive. Uh, so the role was 
quite large in the beginning. So I had to do things like find office space and health benefits and just kind of get the infrastructure of a company underway. Um, and yeah, so grew it from, I was employee number five, I was 250 when, we, when I left in November of 2014. Um, grew up from zero revenue to 43 million when I left. So I had a team, by the time I left my team specifically was 45 people. So it was kind of four different functional areas that rolled up under me that all contributed to, to revenue. That's awesome. Yeah, super fun. Have you seen the, uh, so since 98 till uh, now, had some uh, big ups and downs uh, kind of in the, in the uh, startup space and the, in the tech scene. What are some of the big uh, changes you've seen over the past uh, kind of decade or even over the past couple of years? Yeah, gosh. Um, well, going through the dot-com bust was, uh, growth and bust was pretty insane as, as, I mean, everyone who was around knows that. I would say, but the tech startup scene specifically in the last, I don't know, probably decade, seven years, something like that, Boulder really has seemed to take off. Um, no one really, I would say outside of the startup scene knew what a startup was, but now everybody in Boulder kind of gets that, what it, it's about. You know, Google has a big presence here, actually acquired another startup that I was with, which is why they have an office here. Um, and so I think just having big brand names like that um, in town has really elevated Boulder on the national scene, but also just locally, like people get startups now. Boulder Startup Week is a thing that non-startup people know about, so um, it's cool. And I love the intimate nature of the Boulder, Boulder, Denver, both startup scenes. How would you uh, characterize the, the role of startups in Boulder from, from, a, from a resident perspective? We obviously know a lot of other people's perception of, uh, of, of Boulder as sort of a, you know, uh, a real sort of small haven for, for startups and that it's uh, got its own sort of ecosystem. But as far as somebody who, you know, uh, lives in it and, uh, and sort of has been in it kind of since its inception, sort of how would you, how would you, how would you describe living in that? We, we grew up in the Denver sort of scene and they're, they're very similar in some ways, but they're also probably pretty different. So what, what would you, how would you, how would you sort of classify that, that community? Yeah, so it's, um, I mean... Not classify, but describe it. Describe, yeah, I really attribute the, I mean, the success of the Boulder ecosystem largely to Brad. I mean, he's written about this in his, his Boulder thesis book on startup communities. And um, so, I mean, that's what's great. It's just, it's inclusive. It, and I'm kind of thinking in my head, comparing it to the Valley. Obviously, I've done a lot of work there being a startup, um, being with startups, and it's... You know, people just don't burn bridges here. It's just too small of a community, and it is extremely inclusive. Like, it's the, the whole give first. It's awesome. Um, the frustrating thing about Boulder is that it's, I mean, it's, it's geographically small. It's a positive and a negative. Positive in that it makes the community tight and inclusive, but negative in the fact that, you know, if you have a successful startup and it starts to scale, there's just a physical limitation to office space here. So I think that's that's part of what's driving the growth in Denver. And do you think that, um, as, as somebody who's contributed to that community, do you feel like it's, 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 it's produced, um, obviously we know about SendGrid and Logarithm and a couple other companies that have started here and grown and gotten to be big. Do you feel like it is, it is delivered on its promise, or do you feel like uh, it has actually just started a lot and there's really not that many successful companies out of it? What is the what is the internal 
sort of uh, barometer on the on the on the production of startups from from Boulder people in Boulder. Yeah, I think uh, no, I think it has delivered on its promise. Yeah. I mean, if nothing else, it, it, our community attracts talent to the area. Um, Google has found that Boulder as a location is a really great place to get talent from other parts of the country, people who aren't necessarily interested in it's living in the valley. It's one of the, the only places people will move to. Exactly. It's yeah. a carrot. It's like, hey, move here. Sure. And, you know, it's like, and then that turns people out into the community to start other things. So it's like, even when a startup flounders or fails or has, you know, whatever, it's just like those people kind of, you just see these communities of people that reunite and it's like, oh, the band's back together over here and doing other cool stuff. So even though we don't, you know, every company is not going to be a success, just the growth associated with that professional development of all the people involved, I think, really contributes back to the community. Tell us about your opinion of Boulder Startup Week and the impact it has on, on this town and kind of where, you know, uh, it's got some, you know, tentpole and anchor kind of events now with yeah. Techstars Demo Day and stuff like that. But other than those... Ironically, sort of- this is the first time I've actually personally been involved with Boulder Startup Week. I've been involved with Denver Startup Week. Sengrid was a key sponsor the first first year. Yep. Um, and so I got rounded to that uh, early on. But so this, yeah, this has been my first Boulder startup we got to been involved in. It's been, um, I mean, it's been really incredible. I was on a panel this morning of people who were looking, uh, was speaking to people who were looking to get into the startup community. And it was just like, well, you guys are in the right spot, right? This is the week to be here and, and mingling, um, meeting folks. So uh, I don't know, I've, I've loved everything I've participated in and seen so far this week. Um, I do think it's kind of a pillar for the, the whole tech scene in Boulder. Oh, yeah, I mean, are they still are they still uh, flying people in and doing that whole thing? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, remember that's the first few years they, they were I, haven't, I haven't seen that. Yeah. I, they did that. Was that two years, three years? The ago? first few years that they were actually sponsoring uh, folks to come out here. Every they were flying people out. You could apply to have them fly you out to Boulder. Start all of them stuck out, stuck around, obviously. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I was on a panel yeah. Monday night, or just uh, part of a series of speakers Monday night for event, she says event and uh, there was a woman from the Bay Area that had was flying in for the event so like that's, that's cool yeah that's great well thanks for coming on um, uh, absolutely I think you will uh, hopefully become a listener you know, we don't have a lot of listeners, so we ask everybody who's on our show to become a listener. And uh, I you were trying the- to tell me I talk too much, and I wasn't listening. Well. No, no, I'm no, like, what? No, no, no. A podcast subscriber. Uh, I, I would never say that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, and thanks for coming on, and thanks for helping out with uh, Boulder Startup Week. My and And um, if you know anybody that needs to be on the show or something we should cover, be sure to let us know. Okay, absolutely. Thanks a lot. Thank you, guys. Thank you so Appreciate much. Appreciate it.